Hello and welcome to the XXLA Architects Podcast, a show featuring Los Angeles's leading women in architecture and issues relevant to the profession. I'm your host, Audrey Sato. I'm an architect in Los Angeles running my own small practice and teaching at Cal Poly Pomona. I started this podcast out of a curiosity to hear more stories and learn strategies about how women are succeeding and leading in architecture. Today's guest is Barbara Flamang, partner at Killifer Flamang Architects, also known as KFA. She and her husband Wade built an award-winning, equitable company that currently employs 66 people in Santa Monica. Barbara is a native Angelino and a UCLA alumnus who went on to grow a company that helped define the city that we see and experience today. She is also a member of the AWA Plus D and the AIA, a past board member of the Los Angeles Conservancy, and also served on the board of the Santa Monica Westside YWCA. Welcome to the show, Barbara. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. So, uh, really quickly, your your website. Five, yeah, it lists <laughs> my five, five things. things. Uh, yeah, well, the um, they're just sort of important things in my life. Annapurna Challenge, I just did that a year ago with my daughter. Walked to the um, Annapurna Base Camp. Which it, is it was, in Tibet? It's in Nepal. Nepal. Yeah, okay. it's, um, it was an eight-day trek, and it was five days up and three days down, and totally kicked my butt. It was very, very difficult, but it's like almost 100 miles and 174,000 steps. But it was such a wonderful thing to do with her. She was living in Kathmandu at the time. So we had a great, great time, you know, just a great fun thing to do with her and to sort of witness the power and majesty of Mother Earth. Sure. unbelievably powerful it really it, it, it's not like it puts you in your place and you feel small it's just that you feel part of this of you know of nature you feel part of everything that's gone before and everything that's going to keep coming because you've got you know five jillion tons of earth beneath you and it's just it's just the power and spirituality of that so it, it really was profound and to share that with your daughter I mean, yeah that's incredible it was, it was lovely yeah yeah she's working for um Oxfam doing earthquake recovery work left over from the 2015 earthquake. There's still a lot of work to do there. So, so that was really cool. Um, I love to do jigsaw puzzles. I mean, you know, architecture is putting things together. So, <laughs> so is jigsaw. It's solving problems, right? Yeah, exactly. Putting, fitting things together. So I love to do those. Um, Signed, Sealed, Delivered was the Stevie Wonder song that I danced with uh, my son at his wedding. Actually, we used to dance a lot with our kids around the house, so that was just kind of that, and to that one especially. So that was that was kind of a gimme that that was the song that we were supposed to dance. Great to. song, <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah. Everybody else kept kind of, I want to dance, and, and my daughter and I kept, no, no, it's just the two of them. You gotta wait. <laughs> you gotta wait. Um, I love. Baking pies and bourbon ginger pecan is my favorite at this point. It's pretty good. Enjoy doing that. And then um, we've had labs for years. We're on our fourth, I guess, fourth lab. And getting out and walking your dog is really clears your head. I'm a total dog person. And um, so that's how I put that down there. <laughs> <laughs> I, and, you know, I love that your website lists these five things. It's such a unique oh, characteristic yeah. to have. And it feels like um, a personal introduction to who you are. Mm-hmm. I think so. I really have enjoyed going through and seeing some of them. I think it's important for people that we work with or people that might want to work with us to know about more personal information about the people that that, that work here because it talks about what's you know we think is important that you know about that. And it talks about our culture. So I'm 
glad that someone said you should do that on your website. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, I think it reflects a lot about your company culture right there and saying that, you know, it's important to get to know who we are. Yes. As people. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. People do their best work when you feel like you're, um, you know, you're, you're, you're out there and you're honest about who you are. Then I think that's, that feeds into how you, how you work. Right. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, the beginnings of KFA and um, your early career path. You went to UCLA. You know, now in school, it's 50-50 women and men. It was then, too. Really? That's great. It was. It was in the 70s, in the exact same things, the problems that we, we, it was the same thing then. Oh. It's confounding, isn't it? Yeah, you'd think things would change. But no, our class was half and half. Oh, wow. And, um a lot of, well, there were a lot of very talented women and men in that class. Sure. Um, but there was the same kind of fallout that Pooja was talking about in your other mm-hmm. podcast about, you know, right after, you know, you work so hard in school and then you just go, oh, yeah, I don't do this anymore. But I just, I find it rather confounding that some of the same statistics are still there right. today. I didn't, I didn't feel, I don't think anyone in our class felt that there was a difference you weren't treated any differently, male, female, you know, thank goodness. There That's was, amazing. there was, there were no biases then. There really That's weren't. Amazing. I mean, I hope there, <laughs> there hasn't gotten worse in that regard. I think all of our experiences were, were equal. So Wade, my partner, my business partner, my husband, he is a risk taker and he and another friend of ours, classmate of ours, just started right out with their own business, a design-build business, actually. And so we built work for um, other architects like Charles Moore, Charles Guathme, Frank Gehry, <laughs> you know, some of his early uh, oh, okay. residential work. Uh-huh. So that was a really good way to learn and certainly gave them some confidence. And I worked for a couple other firms. And then I just decided it was okay. We decided it was okay to roll the dice and put our eggs in one basket and, you know, not necessarily need to stay with an outside source of income. We right. just, I guess we just were risk takers. We were okay with gambling a little bit with the future and, and thinking that we were going to do all right. So, it, I mean, it has worked out over the years. I mean, there were certainly some... <laughs> Sometimes when we question, like, I don't know if this is the right idea or not, but, um, you know, it's nice being your own boss, right? Right, right. <laughs> we, yeah, we did, we did all right with it. You know, having the third partner was probably a good thing as well. You know, it wasn't just Wade and Barbara talking about things all the time. It was Wade, it. Barbara, and Scott talking about things all the time. And then eventually that relationship, you know, kind of needed some change, and so we just split it. The two of us split from him in 1980. So, so we've been Wade and I have been working together since 1980. It's a long time. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. So we've worked together. We've been married for 40 years and worked together for 42. For, yeah, wow. 42. And what crazy. Do you, what do you think the secret to that great working relationship and personal relationship is? Uh, mutual respect. I think that's kind of what it all boils down to, right? I mean, you, you both people respect the aspirations, the, you know, the, the ups and the downs. I mean, right. you, just, you just appreciate that you both are going to need to go through the same types of experiences, and it, it shouldn't be weighted one way or the other toward one person or the other. I think we've both been really lucky. We 
guess we picked the right partner, right? Little, that's got yeah. a lot to do with oh, it, sure. right? You know, you just you get lucky. You pick sure. the right person. There was never any, my career is more important than your career, because we were both in the same career. Right. Yeah, so we, <laughs> we couldn't really say, well, let's see. Uh, yeah, we're both in this together now. So I think that probably really helped us, you know, in some ways. Absolutely. It helped on all kinds of levels, you know, on, on our decisions about childcare and, and all that. Um, I mean, one of us had to be home at 5.30 every night because our we we chose to have a person come to our house every day. Mm-hmm. To, we had two kids. Um, and yeah, I didn't really take much time off at all uh, when Annie was born, our daughter was born, um, because I was, I didn't want to, you know. Yeah. I mean, I really was, you know, I saw that being a mom and, being an architect were not mutually exclusive. I remember taking her to the office, literally, you know, her little bucket thing, and, you know, she was maybe two weeks old, and, you know, I was working, so what's the big deal? Um, but we did get a, um, when she was three months old, we had someone come to our house. Um, she was from El Salvador, and she had two daughters of her own, so that was the reason, like, she needed to go home to her family. Right. So that's why that 530 was Absolutely sacrosanct. There was, right. no, which was a very good thing because it kept us from, you know, saying, "Oh, if I just stayed two more hours, I could get this done." You know, yes. nope, no, it's into discussion. Not it's a, a slippery slope there. Absolutely, this person was absolutely wonderful. She was a huge part of our children's life. I would say that having that stability and that that love that she showed our children was a very very big factor on the success of how our professional life worked together as you know she you know they had this wonderful life with her and they and they had you know obviously life with us right. but they had also had this wonderful life with her that th- right. they grew so much from respect for her for what she did you know coming from El Salvador because she said well I really am tired of seeing bodies floating down the river I'm taking my two daughters and I'm getting the heck out of here you know I think our kids really you know obviously respected that about her mm-hmm. and the choices that she made in her life. So yeah, she was she was a huge part, but there really it really really was important that we not ever you know sort of take advantage, if you will, of right. her. We just we and I think Pooja mentioned this as well. You 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 learn to be more disciplined. Mm-hmm. You know, of course you're going to take all the time you have in design, right? I mean, it's it's infinite, but you have to <laughs> you know, get those. You know, make your own internal deadlines and stick with them. I mean, at that time, you know, you were a growing company and Mm -hmm. you had your, you know, your young kids. Did you ever think that uh, this is how far you would come? No, no. I think um, I think it was one day at a time and just keep going, keep growing, keep looking for opportunities. But I think that I think it's important for probably everybody in the profession and maybe more so for women is just to go easy on yourself you know <laughs> I mean you should expect a lot out of yourself because we all should I mean that's what being a professional is but what is have it all I don't know what that means you know I've been doing this for 40 years and I have no idea what that means I think I've had wonderful experiences and I've been very proud of the company that we've built and the work that we've done I don't know if that's all. Right. <laughs> if that, I don't know what all, having it all means, you know. And I think maybe sometimes we might tend to overthink that. Sure. 
um, and just kind of, you know, okay, enjoy what you're doing. I, I guess don't, well, don't sell yourself, sell yourself short. Also, don't put up with untenable situations. However, you know, life is a process. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just have to kind of go from A to B to C to D and see where it takes you. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, looking from the outside, it to me, it seems like you have a company you're very proud of. And I am. Kids yeah. you're and a family you're very proud of. That, That's right. Yeah. That seems like you've got it all <laughs> as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think, um, yeah, like I say, I think we've been lucky, but we've also worked hard at it. You know, we've right. made serious decisions about how we would structure our life. But, you know, where that would all lead. I mean, I, if you asked me 40 years ago if I would have a 65-person firm, I would have said, no way, you know. I, but I'm glad it's happened, you yeah. know. And we've, I think we've, We've done it in you know, sort of measured, measured way, thoughtful way over the years. So I'm proud of that. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the, the 80s. It, it was a huge time of excitement for you, I'm sure, with your family growing and mm-hmm. um, all, a lot of firsts for your practice. Right, right. It, can you tell me a little bit about that, how sure. those firsts came about? Yeah, so some of it, I would think, or oh, no, I'm going to say some, I would say a lot of it had to do with just personal relationships. We had, um, and this was maybe some element of luck in this as well, we had a friend who moved to Las Vegas. She eventually became the mayor of Las Vegas, so she obviously had a good circle of friends. And so the first school we ever did was a private school that was just growing in Las Vegas, just starting in infancy. They were in trailers at the time. And so we got to plan this 40-acre campus. She introduced us to her friends. One was on the library board at Clark County. So we got to design a library in Las Vegas. So, I mean, it, that I know that kind of, that may not happen for everybody, but it's <laughs> the, honest, the honest answer for us is that we, that was a relationship-based first start for those both of those building types for us and we've gone on to do a lot of schools and a lot of libraries mm-hmm. housing affordable housing we we got to do a like a competition here in Santa Monica for some affordable housing that never got built but the person who worked in the city of Santa Monica uh, at the time Candy Rupp went on to be the executive director of Skidrow Housing Trust so she hired us to do the first affordable project that we ever did through Skidrow Housing Trust, and we've probably done 10 projects for them now. So the first, I guess, sometimes I think it's luck, you know, we knew people, you know, who do you know? You right. know people. And to be honest with you, I mean, you, you can't be, I mean, in order to start your own company and be confident in that, I think a lot of it is just being out there. You got to put yourself out there or else, you know, stuff just isn't going to walk in the door. You have to go to events. You have to, you know, be interested in people. You know, be interested in what they're doing. And you never know where it's going to come. It may not be that conversation, but it's going to be the next conversation. Or someone's going to say, oh, I talked to you. Yeah, why don't you call this person, you know? So that is definitely part of it. You have to be comfortable just being out in the community and keeping track of your even your high school friends, who knows, your, or your college friends, or, you know, get on the board of the Bo- uh, Boys and Girls Club, or get on the board of the YWCA. You know, you just have to to get out there, because first, first really happened just, you know, because you didn't do anything. You, you really do have to 
work at the first and then um, you do a good job. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so that there's a second. <laughs> yes, that's marketing 101, right? The, your yeah. best marketing is doing a good job on what you have now because then they're going to hire you again. And we've had good fortune in, um, in that regard that we've had a lot of repeat clients over the years in both affordable housing, market rate housing, you know, doing multiple projects like on a campus like Loyola High School. We've done five or six projects there. There again, our son went to Loyola High School. We volunteered to do some pro bono work on their master plan. Fine, you know, but and then, and then it, as it went on, it was, became obviously something that we needed to get paid for. But our, that first move was say, oh, yeah, we'll, we'd be happy to look at that with you. So there's definitely some of that, too, where you just, I know some people sort of bristle at, at doing free work. I get that. But, you know, pick your spots. Maybe there is a time to do some free work and... and how much is that really setting you back? Those people are going to remember that down the road or they'll tell their friend or something. So, you know, it's a gamble, but I think sometimes it's, it's okay to do that kind of thing. Right. Well, <laughs> and I hear gamble. with people with kids, they're often volunteering a lot of their time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, yeah. Pooja talking about the, the preschools. Yeah. Which is, which is, you know, okay. If, you know, as long as you, you're enjoying it. Right. right. As long as you're okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no harm? one's, yeah, exactly. No yeah. one's, Got your arm twisted behind your back, saying you have to do this. You volunteer right. that. Yeah. So those those were those were good times. But then wasn't there a recession that happened there? Sure. <laughs> yeah. and that was, Absolutely. When was that? Late late eighties or something. So a really bad one. Yeah. Actually, the affordable those affordable projects actually kind of kept us floating. That makes during sense. that time because their financing is a little bit different than you know other market rate type projects. But um, first, you know, you just you got to go out and make your first. <laughs> Right. <laughs> They're not going to just walk in the right. door. I mean, it sounds like great strategies to overcome, you know, the lack of experience with a first project. You either need a strong relationship yep. or to demonstrate through a competition or some other means that you're yeah. capable. Yes. Yeah. No, that's that's exactly right. Well, and then as you move forward, you did a lot of work with adaptive reuse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How did that come about? <sighs> Well, here we go with a friend again. Two things, same same topics, friendship and pro bono. We volunteered to do a pro bono survey of buildings in downtown in the historic core district for for the conservancy. And we, we walked on a Saturday, we walked all around the historic core with um, a structural engineer. And, you know, just by observation, just, you know, like condition of the building, height, blah, 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 you know, unreinforced masonry, we just... So, you know, what you could just visually kind of see and, and just kind of did a, a, a survey of, of what buildings would be appropriate for housing if they had some kind of footprint that you didn't have to blow a hole in the middle of. Uh, well, in no, that case, too, but just, you know, varying stages of these uh, buildings would be appropriate for housing or not. So that's the pro bono part. And then the friend part, Wade had a good friend who was a partner of Tom Gilmore, and Tom Gilmore is, was one of the first developers to come into downtown L.A. and gamble on adaptive reuse. And so he assembled the old bank district, which was three buildings on um, Spring and Maine. And so we did the work because of that relationship. And then that started the whole thing where we've done, I don't know how many buildings, thousands of units on those projects. And, and they're really, really wonderful. I mean, from f some that aren't so 
terrific to ones that are just knock your socks off, like the Eastern Columbia building with a beautiful terracotta facade and that mm-hmm. clock and, you know, how much fun it was to be at night and watch the lighting guy figure out how to get that neon to look just so, you know, beautiful and and the challenges of it because, you know, you can only do so much and you can't wreck them. <laughs> you know, right. I mean, it's the, the, the balance between what you can do new construction versus what, what you can't do, which is good that all those rules are in place. But working that out was really interesting because that early work led to that adaptive reuse ordinance that was passed by the city. And so we were really proud that we participated in that and having those conversations about, yes, the fire department will let you do this because it's an historic building. You couldn't ever do it in a new one or you don't need parking because it's a historic building. You know, all the different factors that went into making these projects work. So that's that's been really satisfying that We've had a hand in the renaissance of downtown LA, and now it's now it's on round two, as you know. Now it's right. it's second kind of second round of everything. At the time, were was the adaptive reuse ordinance uh, looking to solve similar problems we're having today with a housing crisis? It's a good question. Um, no, because the crisis then, I think, was we've got these old buildings and they're empty, or they're full of computers. You know, people. It was like server land. But it wasn't it wasn't so much a housing shortage. It was how do we get downtown to get to be a twenty four hour city, not a place where everybody left. We need people living here. So it wasn't really shortage. It was how to get people to want to be there. And now there's like fifty thousand people of downtown LA or whatever it is. So so that was the difference. Yeah, housing shortage. Well, that's that's right. That's, that's another topic, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's a big topic. But yeah. That's hopefully that'll the city will look different in twenty years. There'll be some new solutions to that. Right. Yeah, it's it's been nice to to see the city change. I'm from here actually. I'm a native and um, I grew up out in the valley and you know, never went downtown, right? I mean you occasionally you go downtown and but it, you know, now it's totally different place. Good to be able to say yes, that's part of, of what what we've done here mm-hmm. over the past 40 years. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, <laughs> to feel responsible for, um, you know, so, so much of how downtown LA looks mm-hmm. and yeah. functions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I guess the really fun part is just all the great, you know, hospitality uses that are happening now, you know, starting with Ace Hotel, which we worked on. We weren't the design architect on that, but um, this kind of helped get it all through the, the city and, you know, the new hotels that are happening now, so mm-hmm. Nomad and Freehand, and that's that's what's really exciting, I think, you know, is all the great places to stay and to eat and to drink. And right. It's good stuff. So with all of that work, um, how did you and Wade and your other partners divide up the roles, and what is, uh, I know your title here is managing partner, What what does that mean? Well, it's a little bit different than that right now because we've um, recently, as of two years ago, we have five partners now. Wade and I are starting to, you know, kind of work our slowly. I mean, we've sold off uh, part of the company, so we're in the process of sort of scaling back, scaling down toward eventual full retirement. I have been managing partner all this time until officially two years ago, and now a lot of those kinds of uh, roles are shared by all five of us and increasingly by the three of them <laughs> as we you know step step away but over the years it has been my job to 
yeah, to manage the firm, to do all the hiring, to manage how the jobs go through the office, make sure that there's enough staff to do meet deadlines and all that. Now that we're bigger, there are three studios headed by those three partners. And so things are managed a little bit tighter within the studio now in terms of how jobs are staffed. I still do all the hiring, but a lot of the management of jobs and workflow and everything is is not my job anymore. How did you learn how to do that? I mean, did that come naturally to you? I'm not sure, but I think certain people are meant to be managers and certain people aren't, right? I mean, I think you have to want to do that. I think intrinsically you have to you have to be interested in people. You really do. I mean, you can't manage a lot and if you don't think that people that are doing it aren't interesting. <laughs> You know, I mean, you have to want to learn about people if you're going to manage them. Right. You can learn st- strategies and tips and, and, and all that. And I, I don't mean to say that people can't grow into something, but to be authentic at it, you just have to s- sincerely be interested in, in the people that, that you hire and the people that are around you every day. Right. Your firm has amazing statistics. Um, 66 yeah. employees, yep. 50% of the eligible staff is licensed. Yes. Over 25% of them have been with KFA over 10 years. Right. 55% of the architectural staff is female. Yeah, I, I just redid those numbers. It's, 52, oh. it's actually 52 now, 52. Just, just to be honest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but still, yeah. It, yeah. it's very impressive. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I think over the years, when people see that there's a woman that's in a position of authority, I think that has attracted other women to this firm. Sure. I I think that that's just kind of natural because they're going to go, okay, this firm is headed by a female or co-headed by a female and now there's two of the five partners are female. So I think it's going to naturally gravitate that way to appeal to women because they're going to see that there's no glass ceiling here and there's no old boys network here. The licensing part is something that we really, really believe in here very, very strongly. Um, and I remember going to one of those um, powerfuls a couple years ago, and, and a young woman, I think she was a recent graduate, got up and talked about how, you know, why do you need to get licensed, and what's the point, and what's the big deal, and, and all that stuff. And I just want to tell her, like, if you don't take yourself seriously, how are you going to expect anybody else to take you seriously, right? I mean, that said, I realized that. Not everybody's a good test taker, and not everybody can take the time. I get all that. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that this is, like, 100% line in the sand. I get if people have reasons to not pursue it. But to just dismiss the whole thing out of hand, it just means that you're, you know, like I say, you're not taking yourself seriously. You're not trusting yourself to be able to do something that's hard. Okay, it's hard, so just do it. Right. <laughs> that's no excuse, right. you know. So I tell people at interviews that that is definitely part of a culture fit here, that you have to grow as a professional. And I think that may be another reason why we have a lot of women here is because I take them seriously. You know, there, there's no difference. You need to demonstrate that you're a serious professional if you're going to fit in here. And you have to be interested in the technical part of the profession, the design part of the profession, all of it. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say another argument for not just taking yourself seriously and showing that you can you want to overcome something that's difficult is accepting that 
responsibility that comes with having a license and, and, you know, saying that you can live up to that. That's a very good point. Yeah. That you can, you can sign drawings, right? I mean, you're, you're, you know, what's in those drawings. You're not just kind of, you know, I don't care. You know, you've, you need to make sure that things are accessible and that, that, you know, I mean, all those things that are important, that's, that's our job. Right, so you need to know all that, or you, you know, you need to know as much as you possibly can, and know who to call when you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's what we do. Besides, you know, making that very clear during hiring, what other ways are you creating, you know, opportunities for professional development? Uh, well, you know, we sponsor licensing view pass, we pay all that stuff. Any seminar that anybody wants to go to, we'll pay for AI convention. Um, we have. Internal mentorship. Most people have signed up for to be mentored by a senior person mm-hmm. in the office. And we have, besides those five partners, we have nine associates. Six of those associates are female. <laughs> we have four senior associates. Three of the four are female. Nine altogether. Six of the nine are female. Um, mentorship is obviously a huge, a huge thing for professional development. We have seminars all the time. You know, ADA seminars and stuff. I think people learn a lot from their peers. Every Monday morning we have all staff meetings and at those meetings, like a studio will present a job, but also there'll be a lessons learned component. You know, if something has come up that somebody really needs to share, it's where it comes out. I'd like to add during those Monday morning meetings, we also have personal presentations going back to the the getting to know people Uh that you're working with. So you just can talk about whatever you want to. And that rotates through, like this morning, this guy had gone up to Oregon for the um, eclipse. And so he he talked about this whole, you know, the whole photography of it and NASA, these really cool NASA images and stuff like that. So it's just just fun to get to know what's interesting to people. So that's kind of a fun Monday morning thing. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, it sounds great. Um, You know, increasing connections and communication sounds like it's key with your office as it keeps growing. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's a really good point as it it grows. I mean, you need, there needs to be some, you know, glue there. I mean, you, you can try all you want to from the top to um, encourage the glue, but but it, it really needs to happen at, at all levels. Are there other policies in place that, um, you know, help to create a good live-work balance? We have flexible work hours. We don't care when you come to work. We don't care when you leave. Just as long as your team, you know, everybody's on, on the same page in terms of their team to take care of commutes and, you know, some people have kids here dropping off for childcare. You know, same thing as my experience was, you know, there's that, you know, they have this is I got to leave at this time because of childcare. Um, so flexible work is huge, I think. I, I, I imagine most firms do that at this point. But and we actually have some people that are working remotely. Interestingly, all four are women. Two people just moved to get out of Southern California, one for to get some family support with their little kids and for a couple other reasons. But they're still on. They're still working for us um, and they can. One woman lives in San Luis Obispo that's worked with us for years. She's one of the best persons in the firm, but she's not under under the roof here. But she, she is a rainmaker. She brings in work. She manages people. And so I think, you know, just being open to different ways of, of working, you know. I mean, that's common these days, but it's, it's important. We, are, we give pay-for-gym membership. We're dog-friendly. Dogs are... 
helpful. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's dogs hanging out here. So that's good. Well, I mean, it it seems like um, you know a lot of firms, especially with a good economy, they struggle with retention. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, do you have those same struggles as well, or do you feel like you've got a handle on that? I think we have a pretty good handle. We had a few people, well, like some people have left because of the bloody commute. You know, they just live too far away. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame them. But in terms of leaving for professional reasons, we've had a few people. But I, my theory is all, always like if if this isn't the right place for you to be, I don't want you here. You know, I mean, I really don't. And mm-hmm. I say that as a someone who's interested in you. Right. right? I mean, right. if this is not for whatever the reasons are, this is not the place where you feel like you're doing your best work or you're going to in a position to grow, then don't let the door hit you on the way out because right. I want you to go someplace and achieve what you want to achieve. And, you know, some people kind of freak out about it and stuff, but I just, you know, I've seen it, <laughs> you know, for over a lot of years and there's always good reasons for it. And, right. uh, and I'm, I'm happy for those reasons. But but that said, we do have a lot of people that have been here a long time, and I think that's you – know, I'm very grateful for that, for whatever reasons it's been that way. But I think it's largely because when people start here, there a lot is expected from – I mean, that's pretty clear. I make that very clear that we expect a lot out of you. And you're given all kinds of help and support from more senior people or whatever it is that, that you need, but we trust you. <laughs> we trust you to – to succeed, and I think people respond to that um, because it's not just a job. The vast majority of the time, we're we're doing things that are really cool and they're really important. And I think that that kind of uh, expectation, people know that that's what's what what we're all about. That's right. that's the KFA culture. Um, you know, in 2016, your firm was awarded the AIA California Council Firm Award. Mm-hmm. You must be very proud about that. Very proud of that. Yeah. Yeah. We were very proud of that. That was really fun. We, we interviewed for it up in Sacramento and, and we took, um, four other people up and we all spoke. I think what won it for us was Andrea's speech was, she just nailed it. And she said, you know, I, I wasn't, she, she went to MIT. She's very smart. And I really wasn't sure what, you know, where I was going, what, you know, what's being an architect. And, and I came to this firm and Barbara and Wade just like threw me into the fire with, you know, but what she talked about was what I've been trying to communicate here is that, that we just threw her into a pretty, you know, position of responsibility without necessarily having the experience of responsibility, but just knew that she could do it. We obviously gave her help and stuff, but it was it was hard for her, you know, and I think she had some self-doubt and, you know, because she'd been pretty successful academically and then she was going, oh, can I do this and stuff? And I think that her presentation was pretty persuasive to get that award because it, you know, it obviously showed interest in young professionals and, and bringing people up and that's what the AIA should be all about, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um she she gave a really powerful speech, as did Monica Rodriguez, who's one of our senior associates. And she talked about one job in particular, which was is an affordable housing project for seniors that she was the PM on. And, um, you know, just talking about one of the residents you know, when the, on the opening day that, you know, one of the residents came up to her and, and Monica showed her into her room and she said the woman just started crying. She said, I've never had a place like this to live before. And, and it was just like, oh, you know, I mean, just 
that's why we do what we do, right? And so that was a really nice day, seeing that it was, uh, yeah, it, it made me really proud. It really did. It's very, very affirming. Absolutely. With your perspective, what advice would you give to other architects and maybe other business owners who are aspiring to build an equitable, great practice like you have? Right. I would say keep an open mind. Same thing. Expect a lot out of people, but trust them and care about them. You have to start with caring about them because if you don't, that should be the first thing. You should go care about them, expect a lot of them, and then trust them to deliver. And make sure they know that you trust them. Mm-hmm. And those people are going to do their best work. Right. Um, and then you, you got to get out there in terms of like of building the business. The other part of your question is you do have to get out and get among the community and participate in your community on, you know, in various, whether it's your kid's school or the boards that you're interested in, whatever it might be, you, you really have to work at getting work. It's, it's not just going to fall in your lap. So, and sometimes you don't want to do it, but you just have to get, <laughs> get out there anyway. <laughs> you have to get out there anyway and uh, just just go for it. And then you get the reward, I guess, of being able to stay in business for 40 years. Um, right. And you get to see what you, you know, you're building for the city. That's really pretty special. It's incredible. Yeah, it's nice. I must say it's nice to to drive around downtown or drive around Santa Monica or, you know, see what you've done based on uh, luck. <laughs> based on luck and, you know, surrounding yourself with really good people. And hard work. And hard work, yes. Yeah. It is It is hard work. Yeah, you can't – that's definitely part of the equation. You, you, you're, you're working, you go out at night doing stuff. One of, one of you is home, one of you is going out at night doing stuff, whatever that – all that means. It, it is – it is work, but you know you shouldn't be afraid of working hard, right? Nothing, right. Nothing's going to happen if you don't. Right. Um, well, I think you have to love it in order yeah. to work that hard. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. it sounds—I mean, it's so sensible, but at the same time, it's—it's so—it's not as easy said as done, I think. But it sounds like throughout your career, you've really—you know—you've really cared, and you've backed that up with hard work. Mm-hmm. And by investing that in people and in the city, you've gotten that to come back yeah, to you as return. well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I think that's a that's a pretty accurate summary of <laughs> 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 We've we've definitely, you know, we've had we've had some bombs along the way. There's no doubt about that, but you know, and obviously the recess, recessions right were awful, you know, like the 2008-2009, you know, that period was just pretty bad. You know, we had laid off 20% of our staff and everybody went to 80% pay and that was not fun. That was no. those were really unhappy, unpleasant times. But um, hopefully, we'll be better. <laughs> yeah. What were some lessons learned from that? Um, well, I guess the biggest one was that don't ever expect things to always stay the same. You know, I mean, obviously, the financial crisis hit the building industry really horribly. But we thought it would be better to have fewer layoffs and keep more people at less salary and everybody liked that as well. I mean, it's better to have a job at 80% salary than no job at all. So that was, I think, a good lesson learned. And, um, you know, also that stuff happens to you. It's out of your control. I mean, mm-hmm. that was not in our control at all. Right. We, we made 
we weren't making bad business decisions. It just happened. And the other thing is some of the clients that obviously went away or some that couldn't pay you. We had one client that owed us quite a bit of money and he, he couldn't pay us. And that obviously didn't go down too well because Wade and I, we literally did not take a salary for a year. We went, you know, just went into our savings. But that client today is one of our, he paid us back two years later. Mm-hmm. He's one of our biggest clients today. We have 10 projects with him right now. Wow. So that's a lesson learned. You know, you want to tell someone to F off, but we didn't. He knew, I mean, obviously no one was happy with the situation, but we didn't burn that bridge, which was a hard decision not to because you're so angry. Yeah. And it's worked out. Yeah. Wow. Um, That's incredible. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of forgotten about that. Right. (laughs) Wow. It's one of those ones you want to repress, right? Um, Setbacks like that make you think longer term about bigger bigger issues down the road. Gosh. I I mean, I think that um, the emotional (laughs) sort of intelligence for you to not burn that bridge and have it still be a working relationship, that's incredible. Yeah, I I would credit my partner Wade with that. He's he's, I'm I'm a little more reactionary. <laughs> I I was not the patient one in that regard, but he he took a broader, longer range view, and uh, he was right. Wow. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I'm glad that worked out for you. <laughs> Thank you. We are too. <laughs> yeah, we are. We are definitely glad that worked out. Well, you know, looking forward, you've achieved so much. You've been so responsible for (laughs) much of our city and for touching Mm -hmm. many architects' lives through your practice. Uh, What are your hopes for the future? Uh, My hopes for the future are that the new partnership will be um, obviously successful and stable, but that they will bring, you know, a new energy and that energy that they bring improves and transforms and, and brings up, you know, the base that, that we've built. And I'm optimistic that they will. There are three distinct personalities, but I think they, you know, they really work well together and challenge each other. So that's a good thing. So I, get, I think that's, that's my, my biggest hope is that the foundation is here, but they build something new, new on it. But I do hope the culture never changes because I think it's, it's a good model in that regard, strong model in terms of how the type of environment where people do their best work. But that said, I'm looking forward to seeing how they tweak things and change things and whatever it brings. I'm very excited about that. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think the future is bright. I'm excited to see what happens with the firm and really admire everything you've built. Thank you. Thank you. uh, We're very happy that we could be a part of what's what's happened here, you know, and, and be able to help some really talented professionals grow in their careers, and it, and that's that's very very rewarding. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you, Adria. This has been fun. And that's a wrap. But before you stop listening, I'd like to make an exciting announcement. One of the next episodes will be a roundtable discussion on the topic of starting a business, and it'll include a few friends of mine who have all done this. I meet a lot of people who ask me a lot of questions about this, and so I know that there is interest in this topic. 
I would love it if you, the listener, submitted questions. We will discuss with honesty and humor, I'm sure. So reach out via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email, links to which can be found online at our website, www.xx-la.com. Or you can also reach out with a voicemail at 213-631-2129. Thanks for listening to our show. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe and share it with your friends.